Episode 1, Enter the Petting Zoo. Welcome to the very first episode of the podcast, Welcome to the Petting Zoo. In this episode, we join Trash Panda in an interview with Cat. Topics include Cat's less than stellar career in social activism and his plan for the podcast as a platform of such. The interview also covers an explanation of his main diagnosis, schizophrenia, and a discussion of the stigma surrounding the psychotic disorders. In this episode, we would like to warn for discussions of ableism, right-wing terrorism, as well as brief mentions of police brutality, racist and misogynistic violence, suicide, murder, and serial killers. This is happening to you. Now. Here. Welcome to the Petting Zoo. Good evening. I'm Petting Zoo's Trash Panda, tonight's host. I'm 22 years old, I have autism, and I am a masculine alter in the DID system. If you don't know what DID is, uh, it's also called Dissociative Identity Disorder, and there will be a lot more talk about that later in a different episode, but what you need to know for now is that basically there are two separate entities occupying my body, me and my twin sister, Fox. Um, so when you meet them in a later point and we sound suspiciously alike, that's why. Across from me sit our very own cat, or our zookeeper as we like to call him. He is 27 years old, looks very distinguished in a way. He has little messy red hair, librarian glasses, and a very androgynous frame. He's tiny, everything about him is just ridiculously small. Um, He's currently working on his master's uh, degree in psychology, and he's the father of the Petting Zoo project. Um, he's, he identifies as genderqueer, non-binary, and transmasculine. His preferred pronouns are he or they. Cat has been part of several volunteer programs and different social activity works uh, throughout the years. And lately, he has decided to make something that is just bigger, better, and more ambitious than anything he has done before. That's what we are going to talk about tonight. Hello, Kat. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you, TP. So, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and talk about some of the stuff you've been uh, doing during your active years? Um, well... I guess that quick introductions are not really my strong suit, but um, I guess you could say that I am, um, like you said, I study, did you say that? I study psychology, um, currently working on my master's. Um, I have been diagnosed with schizophrenia for like two years, something like that, and before that, it was psychosis, not otherwise specified in ADHD. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say either. Um, <laughs> what have I do? I've been doing during my active years. First of all, I'm sorry for the dog barking. That's our lovely wonder child, wonderkind. 
Um, she just likes to bark. A lovely what? Wunderkind. Have you never heard that term? The term is fur baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's our lovely fur baby then, if, if that makes TP happy. Um, yeah, so I guess you're asking like sort of activism related or like grassroots related activity. That yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Okay, um, well, for me, it sort of started out as political activism. I was in a uh, youth group for like the far left, basically. It was like mm, definitely anti-capitalist, and like it was different. It was basically different sections. It was quite open to like different opinions and like different uh, ideologies within the realm of like the far left. Um, and we basically met once a week and talked we, and tried to figure out the world situation from our cozy little corner of the world. <laughs> um, so you, I would say that there's a limit to how much activism we ended up doing. Like I remember at one point we colored the local fountain red and hung up a banner that said um, uh, the the government is slaughtering the welfare state, <laughs> which is kind of cute when you think about it. Well, for high school kids, it it is <laughs> right. Um, and of course, we went to uh, demonstrations and stuff like that. And we actually also organized a few events, um, particularly when the EU had like a big meeting in our town. We had like a lot of critical events like about policy not necessarily critical about the eu itself even though there were among us there were some who were more critical of the eu and some who weren't like like i said there were a lot of different viewpoints um but side note we are a family and we all live in uh, northern europe and scandinavia so EU policy is mostly what we are all about. Yeah, it's very important because actually a lot of the a lot of the policies that get passed in our country will be based on the policies that are passed in the EU. So for that reason, people do care a lot. But it also kind of fell through a little bit, and there were like several things that kind of killed it for me. Um, there was indeed these events where I completely tore myself apart trying to set this up together with another. Uh, person who was also very hardworking in this respect and a lot of people just didn't show up when they promised and this type of thing. Um, then another thing that happened was that um, basically we went to a big convention and uh, there was a bomb threat there and, um, and we all laughed it off because who on earth would bomb like a youth political parties didn't make any sense. This was in 2011. Um, a few months later, uh, right-wing terrorist Breivik in Norway uh, shot and killed about 70 uh, young political activists in uh, on an island. So as someone who's prone to anxiety and paranoia, this was not the best thing for me to have happen. Um, another thing that happened was that Basically, there was a split within the group and someone wanted to sort of move away from direct activism and towards 
they wanted to move away from direct activism and towards move, working closer with the parliament. And there were also a lot of forces who were more like outside parliamentary political force, political forces. So that sort of created a split within, and that there was a lot of back, backstabbing, and it was overall something that entirely killed our department. Um, so yeah, that kind of killed it for me. Then it was, then I got tired. As I say, people ask me, what's your political opinion? I say, I'm tired. Because that's basically what, how I identify politically. To be fair, without engaging in much of the politics, that's understandable. So what came next? What about the more social aspect of your activism? Well, I wonder if I've done that much. Like, what I've done... I've done a few things within like the, the last, let's say, three, three years. Um, basically, uh, first of all, I've been running a Discord server. I know is that activism. Hmm? It's kind of a grassroots peer-to-peer support uh, thing that I'm doing, which is um, for uh, psychosis-backed people or like anyone who's experiencing some form of psychosis. It was created by another person, and then I took over as the admin relatively quickly um and based on that when i got my uh, schizophrenia diagnosis i decided to make a uh, blog which is in support of people who experience psychosis it's called uh, schizo support on there i mostly post I like I reblog a lot of things and then I also basically try to make informative posts about the topic and then I answer questions. Yeah, this is this is all going down on Tumblr, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I um I came to Tumblr in two thousand and twelve, I suppose. Before the Great Schism. <laughs> yes. And at first, I was there as a political blogger, because this was in my political days, and I was kind of a political slash philosophical blogger. Um, as in, I was not talking so much about current politics as I was talking about like ideals and dreams and what society should look like. And then I posted something unpopular and got a lot of hate. And I left Tumblr for a while. And when I came back, I started a new blog. Um, this is my my last blog. I'm not gonna give the name of that blog because basically I left it behind and I don't mean to return to it. And then after that, I made my current blog, which is a schizophrenic cat. And um, that one I've been running only for a few months now because it's a relatively new one. I wanted a completely anonymous blocking platform and that's why I had to make a new blog. Yeah. Um, and then along came the petting zoo. Along came the petting zoo. Um, well, let's, let's start with the obvious basics. What is it? Like what's up with the uh, whole animal alias thing? Well, the idea, the idea came to me when we were talking about how to sort of anonymize ourselves in this podcast. Because as I said, I wanted an anonymous platform. And like my uh, 
privacy is very important to me and there are aspects of my identity that I don't want everyone to know about. So for me, it is important to keep a certain level of privacy. And we just talked about different ways to go about it and... I actually have it recorded, but I don't know entirely how it came up. But I just remember that I was like, well, I guess animals could be a thing. And it was quite obvious that I would be the cat because uh, for various reasons, I already had the nickname Kitten. Um, and then it just kind of rolled from there. like. Uh, and my sister already had the nickname Fox. Yeah, exactly. And uh, she had the nickname Fox. And then she was like, um, well... My brother is obviously the trash panda. <laughs> so that's how uh, TP came to be. So what is the petting zoo? Uh, what is the petting zoo? Well, it started as an idea for a podcast. I wanted to do a podcast. Um, and then I kind of, it kind of grew into a family project. Uh, and I've, project that I'm doing with my, so to say, extended family, which counts uh, partners, 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 and like friends that are close to me and so on. And then I decided to make a blog for it. And I suddenly got a kind of first for, not revenge, but a uh, first for mm, sort of making this into a project in a way more than just a podcast and I felt the need to and I am trying to build now very slowly a blog that is centered around topics that are relevant for us as a family um, so it's very much a family project yeah um, what's the social aspect behind it well um, what's what's the goal the goal of the project is well, I would say that for me, it's about building a kind of community. Um, I, uh, I'm i planning to have a Discord server associated with the podcast and with the blog. Um, I want to create um, a platform that revolves around like positivity, um, recovery, uh, and kind of a loving approach to mental health and to queer identities and all these things. And particularly being like, polyamorous uh, family I feel like our very way of living is like a way of um, sharing love and it's, it's very important to me in a way to sort of share the love with many people and yeah yeah and that actually has a point in your personal history because not only are you running the schizo support blog you also volunteer as a peer-to-peer -peer advisor yeah, um, actually, that's more like, a, that's less of a peer-to-peer -peer and more of a, um, not professional, a sort of prof semi-professional to client uh, relationship, in fact. Um, but it's basically like an anonymous chat uh, advice platform that I do uh, volunteer at. Yes. Yeah, it, it seems like you definitely have a tendency in your life to gravitate towards uh, certain communities, let it be the LGBT plus community, the mental health and uh, psychosis spectrum community. And 
this makes me wonder like how did how did podcasting and like starting this kind of a family project that's growing into this whole social construct how how did that come to be where where did the idea come from um well actually i had been meaning to do a youtube channel and uh and i wanted to do kind of i was inspired by uh, a youtuber called uh sean s-h-a-u-n he does um basically like he takes videos from the far right and then he sort of debunks them in a like very calm very straightforward manner and i felt like oh i could do that like that seems fun then i started to think about like wanting to be anonymous and you would think that being inspired by Sean, who literally is just a voice on a black video most, most of the time. Uh, I would just have gone with that, but instead I started to consider all these kinds of complicated animation pro, pro, uh, animation projects and like how I would go about it and I would like motion capture and create models and like all this stuff. And at the same time I had been talking a little bit with Fox, I believe, about a family YouTube channel, like a sort of revolving around polyamory and I talked a little bit to Fox about how my privacy is very important to me and that and it occurred to Fox that they see might feel the same um, so then we just kind of came to the conclusion that well if we're doing a voice thing then a podcast makes more sense and you know then the ball just kind of rolled from there yeah um, especially this is interesting because besides all your psychology and uh, and social awareness related fields, the other thing you are actually really into is art. And you do have some sort of an artistic background going on that is actually, at, at least to me, that seems to be a really essential part of this project oh yeah definitely like um i'm having a lot of fun drawing (laughs) the petting zoo characters and i would have i would tell you i've never really drawn like anthropomorphic characters before so it was kind of new to me um but it's actually a lot of fun and like unless you're like really um anti-cringe and feel like Drawing furries is the worst thing in the world, then I can recommend doing it because it's always fun to try something new. Yeah. So we talked about a lot of plans and a lot of uh, concepts and ideas. Where does the project actually stand right now? Uh, right now, the project is so that I actually, we have recorded about four or five episodes. Um, and we're debating whether they're all gonna go on air or not. Um, basically, one of the problems right now is that they've been recorded over a bit of time, so some of them don't quite make sense in like a chronological point of view. Like for example, there's one where I have a talk with um, my friend Bad about gender, and we, for example, discuss the possibility of me trying out uh, he/him pronouns, which I am currently trying out. So that's a question whether to pu- to publish that episode, for example, or not. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, what's the dream scenario? If everything went exactly according to your plan, where would this project be in five years? Well, I'm thinking like, I don't really see a worst case scenario. I see like uh, uh, several good scenarios. It's possible that it's just going to be a bit of a time capsule, like we're going to record a few episodes, maybe uh, more than a few. Nothing much will come of it, but we'll be able to look back on it through the years and like be like, oh, we used to be so young and we used to think this or that, but, you know, which is always fun. Um, but ideally, we would be able to uh, share this podcast with more people. Um, and ideally, we would be able to build some kind of community around it. I would love to have guests from... Uh, all over the world for Skype to talk about their experiences because we do not cover all experiences obviously and um, even like bringing in experts and topics and this kind of thing would be very cool if we could do but uh, I don't generally dream big so these are like very <laughs> hypothetical uh, thoughts yeah and these are also achievable dreams like <clears throat> if uh if everything goes well, I can see you, us, being there in a, the span of a couple of years. But then, let's get back to this in five years and see where it went. Yeah. Um, okay, so earlier you mentioned that you study psychology. You are almost done with your master's degree. How did you end up in this field? Uh, do you have any... Like, special point of connection besides the obvious of you having a schizophrenia diagnosis. But actually, if you think about it, you said uh, you have been diagnosed two years ago and you studied psychology for way longer than that. So what was your entry point? Well, I think the fact is that I'm one of those people who, always, who were always told that, oh, you can become anything you set your mind to. Which is a great sentiment, but um, it also leaves you in a bit of a pickle in being able to choose what you would like to do. And I always said to myself, for some reason, and I don't know the reason, I still don't know the reason, I always said to myself, well, if I don't figure out something else to do, I will study psychology. And eventually, years had passed... Um, after high school I spent uh, two years doing other things and I felt like it was about time for me to start some sort of education and I had yet to figure out what else to do so I was like I guess I'll study psychology actually that's a little bit of a simplification what happened was that I had been studying a little bit of art during that period um, and I actually wanted to go to art school but Basically, I got a, uh, an injury in my hand and uh, it evolved into a lengthy problem. And actually, I, once I started psychology for about two years, I could not use my hands properly. So I never really had the chance to return to art as was kind of... It had kind of been the plan that I would just start psychology to do something and then I would maybe return to art. But uh, since for two years I basically couldn't use my hands, I kind of ended up just staying. Because by that, by then I was almost done with my bachelor's. So 
we could put it this way, you have an accidental bachelor in psychology, but you must have some affinity or love for the field if you decided to just stay along and go forth with the master's program. Well, there's a few components to it. First of all, a bachelor's in psychology is completely useless. Um, second of all, yes, I do. Of course, I, I, I like psychology um, in, in many ways. In many ways, it also frustrates me as a field. It's a, um, it's a social science, so it's, it's on that uncomfortable, uncanny border between a science and, uh, and the arts. And that can be, sometimes to someone who likes to think in certain ways, it can be a little annoying, I guess. Like, And it's also because it's a relatively new field or like we're constantly changing our ideas about psychology. For that reason, you never really get any definitive answers. It's always, oh, some research says this, some research says this. So in, in a way, it can be very frustrating, but that's also interesting. So, yeah. Can you tell us about your other project you mentioned, the Schizo Support blog? Uh, yes, sure. So Schizo Support is um, a blog that was tied in and is tied in with my uh, Discord server to an extent. Um, and it's um, something that started as a coping mechanism. Um, basically, I had been, uh, after having been diagnosed with uh, psychosis not otherwise specified in ADHD for a while, I got uh, slammed with diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. And that was a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow. I believe um, it was hard because there's a lot of uh, ideas about what it means to be schizophrenic and I didn't feel like I was that, like I felt... And it's not that I believe that schizophrenic people are evil or that they're dumb or whatever. I thought that or believe that, well, they are people who truly deserve compassion and I don't deserve compassion, so like, what the hell? Could you get out of here with your, like, stupid validation, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so it's it's actually uh, kind of a uh, reverse story than what one would expect, because in popular media and, like, in every representation of schizophrenia and psychosis, people have associations and misconceptions about what this thing is like schizophrenia it's a very scary word and i assume like an, i can imagine it's a very scary label to get um so you as a psychologist can you please clarify a little bit what is schizophrenia actually and how does it relate to your personal experience well, schizophrenia is indeed many things. Uh, one of the things that is more and more clear in research is that the thing we call schizophrenia is not a monolith. Like it's, uh, there's a plethora of experiences within the umbrella that we call schizophrenia, and some, and the experience of one person with schizophrenia is can be completely different to that of another. That said, there are some core symptoms. Um, and the way we diagnose people in the psychiatric system is that you need 
a specific number of symptoms out of a specific array of symptoms to get a specific disorder. Some of the symptoms that are common in schizophrenia are uh, the positive symptoms. First of all, these are the most well-known. These are the hallucinations. Uh, the most commonly known one is hearing voices, but it can also be feeling someone touching you or feeling pain that isn't there. It can be uh, seeing creatures. Um, it's very common to see these shadow creatures, for example. Um, and then there are delusions. And delusions are like beliefs that do not hold up to reality, but you still hold them. And even in the face of evidence to the contrary, it's very hard to change a delusion because it's sort of like a firmly held belief that you can't necessarily overcome just by thinking about it. That said, uh, there are also levels of delusion and you can be more, you can have more or less insight. And insight is sort of the ability to know that something is a delusion while at the same time fully believing it, which can be very hard for people to understand who do not experience these things. Um, so those are sort of the common positive symptoms. Then there's the disorganized symptoms, which are sometimes also counted as positive symptoms. So it's uh, when people get... The classic is the word salad. That's like the worst of it. But it's like basically sort of... There are many things. It can be like people going on tangents or like... Uh, people speaking completely nonsensibly sometimes. It can be like uh, acting in ways that are incomprehensible from the outside at the very least. It can be like catatonic behavior and so on. Um, then there's also the cognitive symptoms. And uh, these are less well known, but for some people these are extremely disabling. Um, basically you... It can look a little bit like ADHD, but it can also be much worse. Um, basically, some for some people it means that they are have a very, very hard time learning new things and uh, problem solving and, um, and so on. And a lot of people with schizophrenia struggle with uh, social cognitive skills, uh, so which can look a lot like autism in the sense that you have a hard time reading other people, especially reading other people's facial expressions. Um, and then there's the negative symptoms, which are a bitch. I don't think, well, they're all bitches, but the negative symptoms are particularly hated. Um, <laughs> and it's basically like where the positive symptoms are things that you have that most people don't have. The negative symptoms are things that you lack that most people have. So it's, and for me, for example, it's the passion like that I used to have to an extent and it's the ability to feel things properly and to experience the world in like an immediate and colorful way for me is what I've lost but it, it's many things it's um it's also abolition uh, that is like having a hard time getting up doing things um apathy feeling indifferent towards things so all these kinds of like it's kind of like an emotional emotional flattening and like motivational flattening and ha having a hard time doing anything. And did, sorry. sorry. <laughs> and you did ask me how it relates to my own experience. Um, I guess I would rather prefer not to talk about it right now because I feel like it will become too long and too personal. Okay, uh, we will probably get back to this 
the subject of diagnoses in a later episode, so let's keep the mystery up for now. Um, can you tell me what you describe as schizophrenia? Sounds like a very, if not benign, but a very docile experience. Where do you think, like, as, as you portray it, these are people that sometimes, sure, believe in weird things, or they are very hard to understand and communicate with because they can't organize their thoughts enough to form coherent sentences or narratives. Um, they are emotionally flat. They appear depressed or autistic. How does this lead to the vast mis- misrepresentation of the media? Where does this misconception of schizophrenia equals serial killer come from? Well, um, it's probably too easy to say that it comes from the media when you're asking why it is like this in the media. I believe that there is a great tendency for humans to demonize that which they don't understand. And um, I also believe there have been some spectacular cases of serial killers who were indeed psychotic, possibly schizophrenic. Um, Because obviously... It's not impossible for schizophrenic or psychotic people to do bad things. There's just also no particular evidence that we are more likely to do bad things. However, I think that when we do bad things, we might do it in spectacularly interesting ways. Because to the... I think, for example, if people listen to a lot of true crime, they will often hear about uh, spectacular cases of psychotic killers because it's interesting, because it's like something new to people. This way of thinking is like, oh yeah, like uh, they thought that they were getting messages from the Bible and they had to do this. Like that's an interesting story. Whereas, oh, this guy was an asshole and he hated women, so he killed women. It's like, okay, uh, where's the story, you know? Um, So I think that's a part of it. So there is like a kind of mystical, sensational element to it yeah i very much believe so and i also think that um like people find it scary when people behave in erratic ways like so for example like disorganized behavior can look scary to an outsider because it's completely incomprehensible um and I also think that there is a great problem that like, for example, in children's media, like in Disney movies, for example, uh, the words crazy or lunatic or like these types of words are usually used to, are usually applied to the villains or to someone who's, who you're supposed to feel sorry for. So it kind of creates even in small children, this type of bias that like, oh, they're like the, the crazy people. And it's kind of okay because to say that the schizophrenic people are the crazy people, because in a way we are. Like, if you look at what it means to be crazy, that's sort of the thing that you that I very clinically described before, believing things that are not true, hearing voices, these types of experiences are considered crazy, and people consider crazy to be to equal scary. Um, another thing is, of course, that in some countries... Uh, not so much here, but in some countries, a lot of people who are very marginalized in society are also the people who are mentally ill. Um, 
unfortunately it's the case that when people are very marginalized and they're starving probably homeless um there's of course like a bigger chance that they will be involved in some kind of bullshit but like as a matter of fact the statistics tell us that it's more likely that psychotic people will be the victim of a violent crime than that they will commit a violent crime and this is possibly because people are afraid of us um and uh most of the people like one of the main targets of uh, for example the police like the people who get shot by police are uh, aside from uh, black people it's also mentally ill people who often uh, get unfortunately get murdered by the police yeah okay so um we talked about like you mentioned different words that to me and probably to some of our listeners isn't necessarily clear what the distinction is you mentioned schizophrenia versus paranoid schizophrenia versus psychosis not otherwise specified um (laughs) and i have come across the uh term psychosis spectrum disorder which i have never really heard about before so can you tell us a little bit about the distinction between these uh, issues diagnosis disorders and what what is uh the psychosis spectrum and what are the what are the members of this spectrum uh yes okay so um basically first of all when i talk about psychosis i'm talking about a symptom and not a disorder uh, psychosis is mainly the positive symptoms are counted as psychosis but some people also count the cognitive and negative symptoms as part of psychosis however like not all people who experience psychosis experience the cognitive and negative symptoms but all people who experience psychosis have positive symptoms they either have hallucinations or delusions or both and disorganization um yes and um the psychosis spectrum is basically all the disorders that include psychosis as a symptom. So that is uh, bipolar with psychotic features, this depression with psychotic features, it's schizoaffective, it's schizophrenia, it's schizophreniform disorder, it is uh, uh, schizotypal, is a little bit special, It's that's quasi-psychosis, so it's sub-threshold psychosis basically, but it's still in the spectrum. Um, it is... Uh, schizoid yeah schizoid is um i think there's a little bit of a debate surrounding that but i i think it's up to the individual person with schizoid personality disorder to decide whether they consider themselves in the psychosis spectrum or not uh, because some people with schizoid do experience psychosis under stress um but for some people it's more of an affective matter there's i feel like i'm forgetting something in this here chill tonight um well we we have talked about schizophrenia and paranoid schizophrenia which are not the same thing well what is the difference well the difference is marginal um in the newer diagnostic manuals they in like in the new in the dsm-5 they completely uh took away these distinctions and in the icd-11 which is coming they're also taking away these distinctions but in previous manuals, there was a distinction between paranoid schizophrenia, undifferentiated schizophrenia, hyperphreniform schizophrenia, and uh, simple schizophrenia. 
So the symbol of schizophrenia is definitely very different from the rest because that's a schizophrenia with no positive symptoms. Now, how do you tell the difference between that and schizoid personality disorder? That's a very hard uh, clinical distinction to make and I and, and I think what they found is that it doesn't really make sense. Um, Hepiphreniform schizophrenia is a more like disorganized schizophrenia and it's seen as like the beginning stages. Um, Undifferentiated is like kind of mixed. Paranoid has more positive symptoms than negative symptoms, basically. But so paranoid schizophrenia is not necessarily. If someone is a paranoid schizophrenic, it's not the same as being paranoid and schizophrenic. No, 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 no. You don't even like your delusions. Don't even have to be paranoid for you to get a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. Um, though it's true that a lot of delusions are paranoid in nature, so it's likely that you have paranoid delusions, but it's not a necessity. So, your diagnosis of schizophrenia, how does it impact your work and your personal life? Because you mentioned, like, from what you mentioned of things you do, you sound extremely busy. And one would wonder how this... Uh, does, does schizophrenia qualify as a disability? Yes. Yeah. So you, as a person who lives with a disability and does so many things, how does that how does that affect you? How does that come together? Well, it doesn't. No. <clears throat> That's probably not the answer you're looking for. Um, clearly, it, to some extent, it does. Uh, blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> is probably the easiest answer. Um, I uh, I take um, two types of medication. I take uh, antipsychotics and then I take central stimulants. And um, the antipsychotics make sure that I'm kind of sub-threshold psychosis-wise. That's also an oversimplification because I do have breakthrough psychotic symptoms but I don't have like large-scale psychotic episodes um, and the central stimulants they uh, sort of work with my ADHD or my cognitive symptoms depending on how you're looking at it and they make me more able to concentrate and to sit down and get my shit done but it's still it's definitely a struggle and it helps I'm sort of helped by the fact that I'm keeping my diagnosis a secret from a large part of my um, social circle and uh, and especially my family because that means I sort of am very motivated in a way, like externally motivated to push through because if I drop out, then I have an explanation problem. Um, so I feel very, I feel that it's very much the whip more than the carrot, yeah, that's that's pushing me through. That's an interesting thing you said just there, that you are not out with your diagnosis to your family. Like, one would expect that something like this is kind of hard to miss. Like, how, how does that work out? Well, my family, um, and I'm speaking about my biological family, is um, a very uh, neurodivergent set of fuckers. <laughs> um, I am out to my mom and to my stepdad. Uh, 
um, and some of my cousins. Um, however, like the main thing that I was referring to is that I haven't told my dad about my diagnosis because uh, he he himself exhibits symptoms that are in line with a with either a psychotic disorder, possibly paranoid personality disorder. Um, possibly schizotypal. I'm not gonna sit here and diagnose him, but I'm just saying that he has symptoms that are on that spectrum. And um, oh, I forgot delusional disorder and paranoid personality mm. disorder when we were talking earlier. Anyways, um, so my dad has these symptoms himself, and he doesn't have a lot of insight. And um, moreover, uh, my aunt suffered from. Uh, schizophrenia and uh, she was very very ill and she was ill in the 60s and 70s she was not treated particularly well by the psychiatric system and uh, she also ended up uh, committing suicide in a quite horrible way and this obviously affects my dad a lot and he was he was 16 when she was ill and uh, I think he believed he was 20 something when she died so 27 so this was like in his formative during his formative years he saw his sister deteriorate with uh, schizophrenia and eventually die so i simply cannot see myself telling him and seeing that ending well in any in any way like i think it would either break him or he would completely uh, disregard it or yeah that's just not any good way for this to end. And yeah, it is hard to hide, but uh, I don't see my dad more than a few days at a time, ha every half a year, so I can sort of work around it. That's that's understandable. Um, you mentioned how, like earlier, when you talked about uh, these disorders, you mentioned how there is a very strong uh, social stigmatization surrounding them. And I wonder if you ever experienced something like that uh, firsthand. Have you ever been uh, in, in any way negatively treated or bullied over your condition? Depends on what you mean bullied over my condition, because... If it requires people to know about my condition, then I would say no. Because basically, I'm a sort of on the don't ask, don't tell side of things with my diagnosis. So if it doesn't have to come up, then it doesn't come up. And, um, and that means that I can kind of curate who I choose to share my diagnosis with so that it's only people whom I know would not treat me differently for it or at least if they treat me differently they would still like show me a decent amount of respect uh, that said yes i have been bullied and yes i believe that part of why i was bullied was because i was different and i believe that part of why i was different was because i was a um a psychotic kid uh, with social cognitive difficulties uh and what about what about your online presence because we all know Tumblr to be this cesspool of hate and misogyny and all sorts of discriminatory horrors. 
you as an openly, even if anonymous, but openly schizophrenic blogger, have you come across direct attacks on the community or on your person? Well, um, I have been directly attacked on my person and I did notice that this started to happen more frequently after I uh, openly started identifying as schizophrenic. However, they were not directly aimed at my diagnosis. Um, the worst I've had in that regard was someone who wrote me something along the lines of, I think it's about time you take your meds. Which I did find very provoking, but on the other hand, in the context of uh, my recent string of posts, I can see where the person was coming from. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, attacks on the community are plenty, I would say. Um, there are a lot of people who also are simply misinformed. Like, I remember uh, one person wrote on a positivity post for schizophrenic and psychotic people, they wrote something along the lines of, oh, I support, I try to support all people, and I would really like to support you guys too, but I just want to say that if you killed someone, then it's very hard for me to support you, but if you had a really good reason, then maybe I can support you. <laughs> and I was like, that's oddly... This sweet, sweet, but very offensive, offensive, at, the offensive at the same time. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, we are going to work hard on it in the future to debunk all these misconceptions and to introduce you to more and more people with a diversity of experiences and from all different. Uh, parts of the mental health community, from uh, minorities, marginalized groups. We are going to try to gather people and interview them, talk to them uh, about different subjects, about their experiences as well. Thank you, Kat, for joining us tonight. Thank you for your honest and comprehensive answers. The bad things will return soon with more exciting stuff. And until then, please consider following us uh, on Tumblr. We have a official petting zoo blog. Uh, welcome to the pettingzoo.tumblr.com. Follow cat at schizophrenic cat. You can find links in the description below. And please don't forget to leave us a positive review if you like this episode and if you would like to hear more content from us later. If you have any questions or comments to us, you can also reach out and write to us at pettingzoopodcast at gmail.com. And we are always welcoming and trying to diligently answer your questions and asks on Tumblr. So thank you for listening. And goodbye from the petting zoo. Yes, thank you for listening. Goodbye.